As I've already said this morning, we're travelling to the cross with John, and we start. We kicked off with Richard, and he looked at Jesus revealing his divinity. And last week, um, Keith shared with us about Jesus comforting and preparing the disciples, and reminded us again of that wonderful promise: "I am." the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm just carrying on this morning, maybe in that passage, uh, as Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. You see, here we are again, still in that upper room, and in many ways we're eavesdropping on a conversation with Jesus, a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. Yes, originally just for those first disciples. But you and I are privileged to hear that conversation too and all the teaching that Jesus gives and apply it to ourselves. That passage is packed full and I really haven't got time because I do want to get to watch Chelsea play Liverpool this afternoon. It's packed full of great, great teaching. So I've just taken a little bit of it. But I thought we'd start by analysing the disciples, you know, get, getting in their head a bit and seeing where they are. Because I think we need to empathise with them. Because we sit here knowing the full story. We know the, the end part. They don't know that. They're given it piece by piece. And they're not in a good place. And it's, Jesus says it at the beginning of the chapter. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he repeats it in verse 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled. They looked troubled. Why were they troubled? Because Jesus is saying to them, I'm not going to be around much longer. And I would reckon that's a perfectly human response, that they're troubled. They're worried. They're thinking, how are we going to cope without Jesus? What what are we going to do? It's a natural response. Because they wanted Jesus right there, where they'd had him all those years. But Jesus meets those troubled-looking men that look grim. He, he meets them at that point, and he wants to try and explain to them that he needs to go away. It's actually a good thing, because he will actually be with them all the time. So in, in a nutshell, the two things I'm going to look at this morning is that he says, the Holy Spirit will be with you, boys, and the Holy Spirit will be your teacher, boys. That's it in a nutshell. The Holy Spirit will be with you, and it is forever. Verse 15, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. They were worried about Jesus not being with them. That was for sure. But they were also a tad confused. Uh, And you feel for them again. And you can just imagine their faces. They're going, what? What is... I I don't get it. Because in their heads, it's all Old Testament thinking. They're thinking that we're waiting for a Messiah... 
And we're waiting for a Messiah that would actually bring on a visible kingdom. And that he will literally kick out the Romans. So, Jesus, this doesn't seem to be playing out as we've been taught in the Old Testament. And you can tell that they're confused because Judas, and I love how they put, but not Judas Iscariot, so it wasn't a bad boy, it was another Judas. And he says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? You see, Jesus, that doesn't sound like the Messiah is going to have world domination. We're confused. But they're also confused because Jesus says, forever. I will ask the Father, give you another advocate that will be with you forever. Again, they're just thinking Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit was given for a particular purpose, on a particular person, for a particular time, and gone. Now Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. And it uses a word, another. He says it's another. Not different, because that word literally means another of the same kind. It's not another difference, it's another of the same type. Jesus is saying, you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. You see, the disciples had had Jesus there and Jesus had the spirit, which I'm trying to avoid getting into the Trinity, but you know what I'm saying? Jesus had the spirit. So they were with the spirit Now Jesus is saying, the Spirit is going to be in you. I mean, this is just amazing for them to try and understand. I totally get why they don't get it. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad somebody didn't say, no, it's so simple. It's not. The with would be the in. And it was tough for them trying to take that on board. But then they had this kind of eureka, ah, the penny dropped moment. They'd watched Jesus die. They'd seen Jesus come back to life. They'd met him. they talked with him. And then Easter Sunday evening comes, and guess where they are? They're back in that upper room. And Jesus says to them, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when that happened, do you reckon, do you reckon that Peter said, hey boys, do you remember back in chapter 14 when Jesus said to us, another spirit will be our advocate and on that day, you will realise that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. Do you think, do you think they had that, that kind of moment? I think they did. And I can just imagine Jesus standing there with that lovely fatherly smile that said, I told you so. I did say that this is what's going to happen. And they go, oh yeah. 
Now, was it that day in the upper room, or was it another upper room at Pentecost? Because that's when they were all together again. Now they've seen Jesus leave. He's ascended to heaven. He's reigning. And there they are together, probably in that same upper room. We don't know, but we think. They'd had the with Jesus. They knew the in with Jesus. And now it was the upon. The Holy Spirit came upon them. With, in, upon. This is some understanding. And we're sitting there going, whoa, this is a bit easier for us to understand. But let's, let's put ourselves into that conversation now. Okay? We're not just eavesdropping. We're now becoming hearers of what Jesus is saying. Because no, we haven't experienced the physical Jesus. But sure, for certainly... We are included in the in and the upon. And so the Holy Spirit, when Jesus says, will be with you, for us, we can say the Holy Spirit is with you. We take that personally, and it's, it's a present day thing. If you don't believe that, then listen to Paul, who says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, think back to that time, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Paul says that the Holy Spirit has been placed in all of our lives. It's a done deal. It's a fixed transaction. Jesus died. It's an invisible mark that happened when we believed. Who remembers this? What does it stand for? Yeah, do you remember putting that on the back of envelopes back in the... Oh, didn't you? Well, maybe you didn't, maybe. No? But there were some people that didn't just do that. I reckon Peggy had... This is Peggy's letter. She put a look before the K, sealed with a loving kiss. You see, Jesus has sealed it in our hearts with not just a kiss, but a loving kiss. We are sealed forever. Got it? Amazing. But you see, back in the upper room to those disciples... Jesus didn't just say another spirit and leave it there. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, not advocar, advocate to be with you forever. And he uses this word advocate three times, sorry, four times in three chapters. The Greek word is parakletos. I know you like a bit of Greek for a Sunday morning. Para means beside or alongside, and kalin means to call. So the Holy Spirit is called to come alongside us. 
Now, we've talked a lot about being in the world, but not of it. Yeah? So the Holy Spirit is there with us in the world, helping us to live it out. The advocate. So the advocate stands up in a court of law and explains to a judge why they should be let off. He pleads the case. One who speaks up in somebody's defence. Jesus is our advocate. Imagine heaven for a moment. And the conversation goes something like this. Father, I know this Mandy James. She's sinned. She's blown it yet again. 60,000 times today already. Yes, she is guilty as charged. Oh, I do feel like I'm in a court of law here. As charged. However, Jesus says, you have said that my sacrifice is sufficient payment for the debt owed by Mandy James. My righteousness was applied to her account when she trusted me for salvation and for forgiveness. So I have paid the price. So can we please pronounce Mandy James not guilty? There is no debt left to pay. I could have put your name in there, but I didn't. But you got the thing, yeah? Jesus is our advocate. We have another advocate that forgives us. And you know, other various translations in the Bible, they use the word comforter. Now, this comforter isn't as in, there, 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 let me give you a spiritual hug. This comforter means to give us strength. To give us strength and to give us support. Other translations use the word counsellor. To counsel somebody means to give them advice or instruction, helping to direct them. Because Jesus says, you need that. You need an advocate, you need a comforter, you need a counsellor, because you need me. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Those disciples probably felt like they're being orphans. They probably went through a bit of the woe is me, oh, we know, you know, you know what men are mm, like. But Jesus says, no, I'm not leaving you as orphans. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. And you're not helpless. We're in the world, you and I. We're not of the world. Jesus says, you're not orphans. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You're not helpless. But the second thing that Jesus says to those disciples is the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. I did smile to myself about the remind you of everything I said because probably because they were disciples and men, uh, they probably wouldn't have remembered anything. And it was crucial uh, that they did remember because they wrote the New Testament. So what we have here in the Gospels is an accurate account 
of everything that happened because the Holy Spirit reminded them at the time of everything. But also Jesus says, teach you all things. They were worried about how they were going to cope without Jesus, how they're going to live this Christian life out. It's so much easier if we have Jesus right there beside us because he can tell us what to do physically. But this advocate, this another, would be with you all the time. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. It's one teacher that never leaves the room. Never. So here we are, in it, but not of it. Here we are wanting to live out our Christian lives in this world that is immensely troubled. So the Holy Spirit is like a prompter in a play. That inner voice directing us, leading us, giving us the right words to say. The Holy Spirit is like a coach right there helping us as we run the race. Speaking to us through the manual that we have, encouraging us, directing us, showing us the way. But also the Holy Spirit is like a referee, reminding us again of those fouls, of those times when we do blow it. Prompter, coach, referee. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot live Christian lives out there amongst everyone else unless we have the Holy Spirit right with us being our teacher. Uh, J.B. Phillips puts the translation like this. One who is coming to stand by you. Isn't that just great? Don't we need somebody to stand by us? I reckon that those disciples were probably at information overload at this point because he's packing a lot in and he, they were probably in some way bamboozled by it all, taking it in. And he probably looked out of them and said, you're not getting this, are you? you know, you're looking a bit confused. So let me just give you something to remember. And he says this amazing verse. Sorry, this amazing verse. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's almost as if, I know you haven't got what I've just been going on about, the in you, the on you, the with you, all of that. It's hard. But take this on board, boys. Take this on board. Because it's a peace that we're given. It's a unique peace. The world can't give it. You can't get it on Amazon. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's a, it's, it's a no-no. Don't let, don't allow. So what I suggest you do, 
as a teacher, ex-teacher, always likes to give homework, is to write that verse out. Peace I leave you. And stick it somewhere where you go every day. So if you brush your teeth every day, stick it on your toothpaste and say in the morning, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. And all God's people said...